This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. Sports news, views and interviews for our community. The Locker Room with Ben and Rolly on Joy 94.9. Welcome back inside the Locker Room for another week. Joy's show for sports news, views and interviews for our community. Here in the locker room, we aim to shine a spotlight on diversity and challenge homophobia in sport and, of course, celebrate the role that sport does play in bringing around uh, social change in our communities. My regular co-host, Mark Rowland, still in the UK at the moment, so joining me in the studio to fill the void this week, Michael Smith and Adam Samuel. Gents, welcome back. Excited to be here. What a massive week in sport it has actually been. There is just so much stuff happening. Rugby, AFL, the Ashes starting, Wimbledon. There's a lot to talk about. So much. We've had to pick and choose our stories very carefully tonight, so I hope you enjoy tonight's program. Tonight on the show, as Smithy, you said, big one tonight. Uh, news out of Basketball Victoria yesterday. Now, they've announced that uh, they've partnered with the Victorian Human Rights Commission to support the Fair Go in Sports Project. Now, their mission is to promote gender and sexual diversity in basketball across um, Victoria. And shortly, we'll speak to Michelle Newton from Basketball Victoria. Uh, the Tour de France is currently underway, and the Aussies, through the Orica Greenwich team, are doing rather well. Uh, later on, we'll talk to Tim Ford, who will bring us up to speed on all the latest action from the tour. Now, I'm looking forward to this one, Smithy. Very soon, an out-and-proud Sydney swimmer is heading over to the UK to swim the English Channel. We're talking 35 kilometres um, open ocean swimming. So he's either an extremely strong swimmer or he's as mad as a cut snake. So that'll be a fun interview. He's obviously got a high boredom threshold. I can't swim about 500 metres without getting completely bored out of my brain. Yeah, so. I know. Uh, quickest uh, someone's ever swung the English Channel was about seven hours um, over the, uh, the last couple of days they've had few people cross 18 hours now that's a long time to be swimming wow uh, incredible uh mark uh roland was going to join us on the line um from london this uh this week but he won't be this evening unfortunately he's tied up now first up though to bring us up to speed with what's been happening in a big week in the world of sports here's our weekly sports roundup Good evening, gents. You know, this week's sports was so intense, I had to employ the help of my younger brother to write it, as we mentioned him last week. And after removing all the fart and all the dad jokes, I think we've got a great <laughs> a great report ahead. So we've got so much, so let's get cracking. First off is big news tonight out of the Collingwood camp for AFL. And it seems that the AFL world has been rocked again by claims from uh, the Collingwood Leadership Group member Harry O'Brien, who has been battling depression, sexual abuse and suicide for many years. Uh, Collingwood President Eddie Maguire has said that the club will be supporting O'Brien all the way through his treatment plans. And unfortunately, if his stress level wasn't high enough, authorities in Brazil want to question him on a murder he witnessed a while back. Uh, although if you read The Age today, you might be mistaken to believe he actually committed the murder. Yeah, just for clarity, he did not commit a murder. No, just a witness. Yeah. A lot going on for the poor guy, poor guy there. Yeah, I'll say. We'll talk a bit more on the AFL segment. Um, let's pick up the media's reaction to this as well and some of the way they've responded to a player saying that he has a mental illness. Is it a beat-up? Is it a story? It's mm. Collingwood. It's always a beat-up. We'll soon know. 
Anyway, let's go to a bit of a lighter story. Let's jump over to the British Isles and the tennis is wrapped up in the country that never slips because it rains all the time and people wear comfortable shoes. <laughs> the Wimbledon is done and... Sorry. Is that your brother's joke? <laughs> yes. I think you said there'll be no dad jokes. <laughs> uh, the Wimbledon is done and dusted for another year and a great result in the men's single. Scotsman Andy Murray has won the final against Novak Djokovic, 6-4-7-5-6-4, which is the first time in 77 years that someone from the UK has won and approximately 50 years since a Scotsman has smiled. Uh, he still didn't on the day, so you know we'll keep counting that one. Uh, in the women's singles, uh, French player Bartoli defeated Lasicki 6-1-6-4 in a quick match. Uh, however, the spotlight was definitely on Murray for the competition, especially around the finals. Apparently 17.3 million people tuned into the BBC from the UK in the last five minutes of the match, and the tabloids in the UK are also asking for him to be knighted, but I think they're just finding ways to try and make him smile. And, and can I say, you just said that he's the first Brit in Wimbledon to win win Wimbledon in 77 years. Uh, there's a British feminist who pointed out that Murray is indeed the first Brit to win Wimbledon in 77 years unless you think women are people. Oh. Because because it was the Wimbledon was last won by Britain in 1977. Ouch. By a female player. By a female player. Yeah. So let, let me clarify the men's the men's arena. The men's singles. Rugby union. Rugby union. Meanwhile, didn't want to talk about this, but we will. Yeah, unfortunately, oh, on this side to? of the globe, we, we do, we do. Uh, the Brits continue to dominate, shocking the Wallabies and their fans with an amazing 41-16 smash at a record-packed ANZ Stadium. Uh, while Lions fans cheering could be heard as far as anyone could hear them, so could the firing of poor Wallabies coach Robbie Deans. It, eventually, this is the this is the, the straw that broke the camel's back, as we say. Oh, what? look, he's had his time. Six years is long enough, I think. Six years, no. Send him back and nothing. Yeah, yeah. And we weren't going to win it this the year. The trophy right. cabinet is looking pretty bare at the Australian Rugby Union uh, offices. So, yep, I think it's time for change. We'll talk more about that shortly. We will. Uh, just to quickly mention, though, the new Wallabies coach mentioned is Ewan McKenzie's, who was a former Wallaby prop and apparently has done great things for Queensland and New South Wales. Great stuff for the Reds. Great stuff. Basketball. Uh, since this gentleman was born in a Melbourne hospital, Dante Exum, what a, an amazing name to start with, has been destined for greatness. His dad, who played in uh, 1982 in jo- Michael Jordan's North Carolina team, gave the young man uh, a basketball at a very young age. And now, as 17 years old, he has the dilemma that all 17-year-olds have, and that is to decide whether to go to a university in the US or whether to just go into the NBA draft and get a million-dollar offer. It's a tough choice, though, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know what I'd do. University? Yeah, I'd go to. I'd go yeah, to, I'd go to university. More yeah, funny university. Yeah, that's right. You can hang out in the dorm. Anyway, so join a fraternity. <laughs> <laughs> Something tattooed on your backside. No, that's Something that stays with you for the rest of your life. That's right. Drink lots of beer. Um, so you know what? He, he's a great kid. He stands at a, at, at a meter ninety three, so he's huge. Uh, point guard, and uh, we'll see what he can do. Let's see if he can represent Australia one day in the Olympics as well. Off to cricket starts tonight, sorry, the Ashes starts tonight at 7pm right now, live from Trent Bridge in the UK, and in true European summer conditions, the Aussies are facing the Poms against sweltering 22 degree summer conditions. Ooh, so I'm sure the, the, the Poms are thinking, oh we've got, him, we've got them now and uh, hopefully the Aussies will just brush them apart. However, the England are already claiming victory already, you know, going through the media saying we're the best, we're the greatest, uh, don't even know why Australia's here. Although uh, Kevin Peterson, who English tabloids are calling as the greatest cricketer, uh, is having a bit of controversy again, ranging from lewd text messages to difficulty working with coaches and connecting with other players. Uh, Strauss, who was the... Sorry, Andrew Strauss, who was the former England captain, has said that it all depends on Peterson's mindset on how well England will play and the outcome for the Aussies as well. He's the English warning, isn't he? Yeah. He's always got the last... I would have thought 22-degree weather is probably pretty good for England because the... 
sort of slightly overcast day brings out the reverse swing and that's what the Australians are completely incapable of, of picking. Yeah, uh, look, looks like uh, England uh, are about a dollar fifty at the moment. Aussies three dollars seventy. So, um, so you think the English, the English, the, the, the Poms have it this yeah. year? Yeah. Well, it's, it's uh, I mean the Aussies have, have uh, had a good preparation and the uh, the squad is very strong. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, the first day is, is where it will matter. Mm. Well, I'm sure that we'll all be racing out of here straight to our TV screens after this. No, I reckon I, I'm gonna watch something else. Yeah, I might watch <laughs> the uh, pretty. might watch the highlights tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. See what's on the highlight reel. <laughs> watch a replay of the of the uh, of the rugby from Saturday night. It might be more enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. All right, let's jump across to Germany now, and a big congratulations to the 26-year-old Sebastian Vettel, winning his home der- home turf, uh, the German Grand Prix. Uh, he drove for the Red Bull team, and he said, "Yeah, it's unbelievable. Kimi was pushing very close in the end, but I was pushing in every lap except for the ones with the safety car, and uh, I just." Audio mention- is live from Germany. Yeah, well, <laughs> seamless work here at the locker room. It's amazing how we can get that type of audio in. Uh, I was just going to mention that's probably a good thing that he that he didn't uh, overtake the uh, the safety car because I hear you get no bonus points. You probably get uh, kicked off for that one. Yeah, you don't overtake the safety car. Uh, was going to mention cycling in the roundup, but I can see that we're running close of time, and we do have a great interview lined up tonight. For we the Tour do. de France? We do. It's very complicated sport, uh, cycling. You know, you think it's just a matter of getting on going as fast as you can and, you know, the first one past the post wins. Apparently not. Really? Yellow jerseys, green jersey, polka dot jerseys, this thing called the pelotons, there's the breakaway. It's very technical, very strategic, so we'll, uh, we're going to sort of get some help to navigate us uh, through um, the sport of cycling, and does particularly it, the Tour de France. Does the Tour de France come with a latte and a muffin at the end on no, Beach Road as well? No, there's not many lattes, I can assure you. Okay. No. <laughs> Protein bars. Sure. Protein bars and shakes. Sure, sure. <laughs> and finally tonight, State of Origin Match 3 is going to be... Go the Blues. Oh, we already have one. What, what do you think, oh, well, Smitty? As a Melbourneian, you always go for Queensland because it's full of all the Melbourne Storm players. <laughs> you know, they're like, it's like the honorary Victorian team, Queensland. And, and they're going to win. So, do you, do you uh, think um, we should have a Victorian team? In the State of Origin? Yeah. Well, no one from Victoria plays yeah, rugby league. It's a problem. It, the, the, the VRL well, in Victoria is a pretty small competition, mm. I think, I, I know the bloke who's the chairman of the board, so might have I, to adopt a few. Yeah, I, I, it's it's not a really high flying competition. Well, let's see what's ha- let's see what happens on July seventeen. Uh, the the Maroons upset the Blues last twenty six six. So this is the this is the tiebreaker. This is it. Uh, you boys have said which your teams are going for. So I guess we'll soon find out next week. What, Go the Blues. What's happening? And that's it for the roundup. It's been a pleasure doing it. Mark will be back next week from sunny from sunny England or sunny Europe. I hear he's gallivanting everywhere now. Portugal or something. It's a hard life, isn't it? You're on Joy 94.9. This is The Locker Room, your show for sports news, views and interviews. Do you want to hold your own in a sports conversation? Get a better pub quiz score or just like the sound of two boys talking about ball sports? Then join Ben and Rolly in The Locker Room on Joy 94.9. Quarter past seven on Joy 94.9. It is The Locker Room. Now, gents, uh, you may remember a few weeks back we spoke to former hockey player Gus Johnson about his work as an ambassador for the Fair Go Sport Program here in Victoria. Uh, Now, the Fair Go Sport Program is uh, run by the Human Rights Commission, the Victorian Equal Opportunity and Human Rights Commission, um, and it's all about promoting gender and sexual diversity throughout uh, sport here in Victoria. Um, A very successful pilot program was run in conjunction with Hockey Victoria, um, and news out of Basketball Victoria yesterday, they've announced they'll become the next sport to join the Fairgo in Sport Project. Um, and joining us on the phone now to tell us a little bit more is Michelle Newton from Basketball Victoria. Michelle, welcome. Thank you. Firstly, congratulations to you and Basketball Victoria for championing this cause. It's a very important one. Tell me, what was the motivation behind Basketball Victoria getting involved? 
Uh, yeah, it is an important one, of, as you've mentioned. Um, look, Basketball Victoria has been in discussions with the Commission for a little while about coming on board as the next sport. And, um, yeah, we're really excited to be involved in the program. How do you think the basketball community is um, currently handling issues of diversity? Would you say that there's some work to be done culturally in the sport in terms of adopting the philosophies of this project? Or do you think it's something that's going to be really well embraced by the basketball community? Uh, yeah, look, we, we really do think it will be embraced well. Look, there's so much negativity in, in so many different sports at the moment. So, you know, we're really p- pleased to be able to be involved in a, a positive program like this one. Michelle, it's Smithy here. I'm just wondering if you could take us through the kind of things that Basketball Victoria will be doing to actually promote that diversity. Yeah, look, we have a couple of tiers to the program that will be, be rolling out uh, to targeted associations. Um, and the first one of that is um, our launch, which is happening next week. And uh, there's a, an under-14s basketball team down at Torquay by the name of the Swisheroos. And uh, these young boys have taken it upon themselves to uh, grab a pair of the rainbow Fergo socks that were rolled out through the hockey program. And um, they decided that they would like to wear those to their, their recent games. What a um, sensational story. So, so these kids yeah. have been doing that already before this was announced? Yeah, that's right. And so, you know, we, we're really excited to, to, you know, be associated with these kids. And, and they were a part of the, the catalyst that were helping us roll this launch out. So, yeah. What an incredible story. I mean, I, I think when it comes to sport and the power that sport has to drive social chain, it starts with kids. And it's great to see that, you know, this initiative is something that's really starting from the ground up. Yes, it needs to be supported by, you know, the governing bodies, the commissions, and obviously the sporting associations, but fantastic to see it already being adopted and spoken about at grassroots level. That's right, absolutely. And we're just so excited that we can be involved with a program that, that can make a difference from these kids at grassroots level, like you said, right up to the state level. Do, do you have any sense of what it is that's motivated this team, that the Swisheroos, which I, I love that name, to, to yeah. take that stand? Um, they, they spoke about it at their schools and, and about um, fair go through their school. And, and these kids just believe that basketball should be a sport where everyone can play and, and no one would get bullied. And, and they were really excited to, to show that they were on board with that. Smithy, I wish uh, when I was 14 that there was a team out there wearing rainbow socks and saying that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just shedding a little tear here in the studio <laughs> as a consequence. Tell me, um, do you reckon that there's going to be uh, you know, a bit of snowballing of this and we might see some support from some of the more high-profile members of the basketball community through the, the NBL and some of those professional franchises? Yeah, look, that would be fantastic. Um, look, we also uh, have some involvement with Big V. Um, I don't know if you know who Big V are, but they're part of Basketball Victoria and they uh, they run the state senior competition. Right. And we're actually working with them and uh, really excited that we have naming rights to their final series, which starts in August. Fantastic. And so they'll be known as the Big V Fairgo Sports Final Series. Incredible. So, you know, that's going right up to, to state level. So they're really excited to be involved as well. Fantastic. Tell us, um, you've got the, the, the big launch coming up in Torquay. I think next Thursday it is, and the Swisheroos will be there, no doubt, in their rainbow glory. Tell us a little bit about the event. Absolutely, yes. Um, we're, we're putting together an exhibition game, as you said, uh, next Thursday, the 18th of July, down at Torquay at the um, Surf Coast Sport and Recreation Centre. Yep. And um, this will involve the boys uh, from the Swisheroos. And uh, we'll also have some other members of community and supporters of the program playing alongside the boys. So it's going to be a really exciting game. And uh, anyone can come down and join in? Yeah, absolutely. Come down and, and watch. We'd love to have the support. And in the United States, we've seen the, the coming out of a, of a professional gay basketballer. Do you think that's something that we could be ready for here in Australia as well? 
Oh, absolutely. We, we'd like to hope that, you know, everybody would feel safe enough that, that they can, you know, feel that basketball is a welcoming and inclusive sport for, for this community. Would send a very powerful message, wouldn't it? Michelle, thanks very much for joining us. Congratulations again. Great work from Basketball Victoria. And I know the Fair Go and Sport program is a uh, sensational initiative, so everyone should get out and support it. So get down there next Thursday, the 18th of July, down in Torquay, and support the, the mighty under-14 Swisheroos. The Swisheroos, I love it. <laughs> thanks, Michelle. Thanks so much. You're on Joy 94.9, 21 minutes past seven. Back soon. Sports news, views and interviews for our community. The Locker Room with Ben and Rolly on Joy 94.9. 28 minutes past seven on Joy 94.9. You're inside the Locker Room. Ben Smithy, Adam Samuel with you this evening. Now, boys, the Tour de France is underway at the moment. We've been following it uh, lately and the Aussies are faring okay in this year's event. Uh, not in the not in the top uh, in the top contenders, but uh, certainly doing better than they have previously. Now, um, as I've been watching it, I've been bemused by by this sport. Um, and what's, what I've realised is it's a lot more than just getting on a bike and riding down the road and, you know, going as fast as you can. There's strategy involved. There's all of these different colours, yellow jerseys, green polka dots um you know what does it all mean what's a peloton what's a breakaway it's all very confusing to help us navigate our way through the world of cycling and this iconic sporting event tim ford is on the line tim welcome to the locker room hey man how you going thank you very much pleasure now this race goes this tour de france race goes from june 29 to july 21 now that's one hell of a long race yeah, three weeks, 21 stages. It's a uh, certainly a long race. I think this year's race totals something like 3,200 kilometres or something in total they're going to ride. So. 3,404 kilometres on a bicycle. It My ass is hurting just ever. thinking about it. <laughs> now, it certainly is a, uh, an impressive feat. So does every individual rider ride all 3,404 kilometres or is that a team effort? No, everybody will ride the whole distance unless you pull out. So, so just explain to me this, this idea of the team then, because if you all just have to get through it individually, what, what does the team do for you? Okay, well, basically, so you've got nine team, oh, sorry, 22 teams doing the Tour de France uh, in a year, nine riders per team. Um, what a lot of people don't realise is cycling is actually you know, possibly one of the most uh, team-orientated sports out there. The difference between, say, cycling compared to football or soccer or something like that is you know, they're a team together, but only one person actually wins. You know, with rugby union and when the Wallabies play, the Wallabies win. They all win. Well, they all win very often, yeah, unfortunately, or, or, or not win, as the case may be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but with cycling, when uh, when one of your people in your team win, the whole team works for the win, but only one person will actually walk away with the yellow jersey or the the prize of being the the winner of the Tour de France. And is that normally um, predetermined, Tim? Does the team normally know who's the rider that's going to cross the finish line as the winner? Yeah, absolutely. They 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 elect the team captain or their their main rider who's going to go out, and they're the one they're going to have try and win the Tour de France. Um, the perfect example being last year, um, Team Sky. They won it with Bradley Wiggins. Um, Bradley, you know, he's a great rider, but arguably probably wasn't the best rider out there last year. They had a, another rider whose name's Christopher Froome, who's actually wearing yellow jersey at the moment. Um, you know, he's possibly a better rider than Bradley Wiggins, but because uh, Wiggins was the team captain, Froome had to do everything he could to make sure that uh, Bradley Wiggins walked away with the yellow jersey. So, so is Wiggins yeah, the team so, captain again this year? No, Wiggins actually didn't uh, race the Tour de France this year. Um, being the 100th edition, this is a it's a milestone event for the Tour de France. It's the 100th time it's uh, run. They decided to include a, a lot more mountain stages, right. uh, so a lot more climbing events. Uh, Bradley Wiggins is traditionally not a very strong climber, more of a time trial rider. Uh, so he decided to focus on the Giro d'Italia, one of the other three uh, major world champion races. 
um, and, and then actually got sick. So he had to pull out and he's not racing the Tour de France this year. Right. So can I ask, I'm still a bit puzzled about this idea of team racing. How is it that you help your teammates win? I mean, you can't like give their bike a subtle push in the middle of the, the peloton, like give them a toe. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that would be a bit obvious. Um, I think you know, what a lot of people don't think realise is riding behind another rider actually makes your job a lot easier. They say that uh, riding behind another rider actually reduces your energy output by up to 40%. So, it's, so that's what I've been doing going doing wrong going on Footscray Road in a high wind. I don't tag yeah, along behind correct. someone else. Right, okay. If you've if you got someone behind uh, ahead of you, you'd find it a lot easier. So the team guys, so, you know, you've got your one rider who's there to, to win either the stage or maybe he's after points for one of the other uh, uh, awards. Um, but basically the, these other teammates, will um, they'll surround the, the main rider, they'll ride ahead of them. Um, they'll what they call pull them up the mountain. So you've got some riders who are normally very good climbers, so they'll ride ahead on the mountain stages and the team captain just sits in behind them, again, using less energy. Complicated. And just, it's, it, it, is, it is a bit complicated, but once you sort of get to understand it, it, it makes sense, I suppose. Now let's um, talk about the fashions on the field when it comes to cycling. Now I bought myself a bike for Christmas. I've been um, avoiding the Lycra for a long time. Thank, thank you, but Ben. Perhaps, <laughs> but perhaps get the Lyra, polka get the dot, Lycra, red polka dot um, Lycra is the way to go. Now there's a yellow jersey, a green jersey, a polka dot jersey. They all have significance. Quickly talk us through that. Okay, so there's, there's the, the yellow jersey is for the overall winner or the person with the least amount of time overall. Yep. Uh, you've then got the green jersey, the sprinter's jersey, or the points jersey. Uh, there's allocated sections of every race, uh, which is for sprint, and there's an intermediate sprint, and then the finish line, and whoever crosses first gets a certain amount of points. Uh, so those points get tallied, and whoever's got the most points wears the green jersey. The red polka dot jersey is called king of the mountain. It's a similar process, except instead of on flat sprints, it's at the top of the mountains. So again, there's different categories of mountain climbs. Uh, so more points are more points are awarded for the steeper climbs. You've also got the white jersey, which is similar to the yellow jersey, but it's for the young rider. So whoever's under 23, with the smallest amount of time. And they've also now got the team classification, where you might see uh, some of the teams they're all wearing a yellow helmet. Uh, they're winning the team classification, which means overall. Uh, smallest amount of time for every team rider in total. It sounds like my school athletics carnival. Everyone got like a ribbon just for participation. For participating. Everyone gets a colour of some yeah. sort. Now, I'm looking at the uh, Tour de France standings here. Now, um, Froome from England is number one. Uh, you've got to go right down to 16th to see an Aussie. Now, we're in stage 10. Cadell Evans mm-hmm. is, uh, is is leading the Aussie pack at the moment. He's four, yes. four minutes and 36 seconds behind the leader. Um, mm-hmm. Can he make that up in the next 11 stages in the next two weeks to win it? Look, realistically, I'd, anything can happen. I don't think he's going to win the Tour de France this year. I think uh, it's a long shot. But again, you know, there's a time trial stage tonight. You know, Froome might fall over or, you know, anything can happen. Um, it can. It, it's possible. There's, there's, As I said, because it's the 100th edition this year, there's a lot more climbing than normal. Uh, and Cadell Evans is a very good climber. The only problem is, is that Chris Froome is probably the best climber in the world. Right. Um, so, so. so Froome would be your tip? Froome, I reckon Froome's going to walk away with the... The Tour de France this year, uh, you know, Team Sky, they're probably the most professional sports team in the world at the moment. I think any sport, doesn't matter what it is, should look at Team Sky, see what they're doing and sort of learn from their model because they are they are the best, I think, at the moment. They're, uh, they're amazing. So we're looking for some kind of Stephen Bradbury mass falling over on the last That's what corner. we need, yeah. yeah. That, that, that could happen. Aussie, I mean, Aussie, look, Aussie. <laughs> I think, you know, we, we shouldn't discredit that Cadell Evans being in 16th place. I mean, it, it, was, it took one stage for him to go four minutes behind. So it could take one stage and he could be four minutes. He could make those four minutes back up. Four minutes doesn't um, sound know. like a very long time for me. Sorry? Four minutes doesn't seem like a very long time for me, but I guess in, uh, in elite racing it is a very long time. It's actually, it, but that's the thing. It actually, it, it, it's not as bad as, you know, it could be. Um, you know, there's, there's still 
like another eleven stages to go. Well, look, uh, um, Cadell Evans was quoted over the weekend as saying that uh, the Tour de France really starts on uh, on this weekend, and the first uh, the first part is really uh, not that important, and the, the Pyrenees is, is critical. So I reckon we'll see him go up the rankings a little bit more, and maybe we'll get him closer to the um, to the to the to the front of the pack, and we might see an Aussie, um, you know, somewhere near the podium, perhaps. Tim, thank you very much for joining us and uh, bringing us up to speed with uh, the fascinating world of cycling. Happy to help. You're on Joy 94.9, 25 minutes to 8. It's The Locker Room. We'll be back very soon. The Locker Room with Ben and Rolly on Joy 94.9. 21 minutes to 8 on Joy 94.9. You're inside The Locker Room. 0427 Joy 949 is the digits to send a text message through to us. We've had one message through from uh, James and Paran. Um, complimenting our music choices tonight, Smithy. It was all you. Yeah, I've been lobbying for that song for quite some time now. If you go on uh, YouTube, you can see the clip that accompanied it for the 1989 New South Wales Rugby League prom- promo. And it is one of the most camptacular things you'll ever <laughs> see. Um, men, burly men in mows, you know, pumping iron and, you know, very short hugging shorts. each other in little short shorts. And for those who say there's nothing gay about rugby league, I mean, just watch this video. <laughs> My God, it's like a village people clip. Now, boys, uh, one of the biggest challenges for swimmers is the English Channel Swim. We're talking 35 kilometres open ocean. Um, a Sydney-based uh, out-and-proud swimmer, Marty Filipowski, is about to embark on the swim. Um, the swim of his lifetime. Now, Marty joins us on the phone now. His coach, Vlad, is there as well. Gents, welcome to Joy 94.9. Hi, Thanks guys. for having us. Marty, let, pleasure. Marty, let's start with you. Um, you've been training for this swim for over two years now. What's the motivation behind you getting out there in the ocean and swimming for God knows how many hours, for 35 kilometres? Well, you know, I, I love swimming, first and foremost. And uh, when I get out there and I'm swimming, it's, it's a very meditative thing for me. I've done several long ocean races, uh, one being from Perth to Rottnest Island, and this is the next big one on the list. Wow. So how long are you expecting it's going to take you to swim that 35Ks? You know, it's really going to depend on the conditions on the day, the strength of the tide. Um, I'm preparing anywhere from about 11 and a half to 15 hours. Wow, that's a long time in the water. And are you basically swimming that entire time? You, don't, you get a break? I guess you don't really, do you? You are swimming the entire time. You do very short feeding stops every half hour to make sure that you've got the nutrition you need to get you through the swim. Those uh, stops take about hopefully 10 to 15 to 20 seconds. They're very short. Marty, the few times I've tried to swim, uh, it feels like time drags and I sort of end up in a puff. Like, And you, you're telling us that you sort of find it meditative. Like, does Is it a... Is it a hard thing to, to get through sort of mentally, that kind of distance? You have to be very focused. I, uh, I'm, I'm doing a couple things to help occupy my mind uh, for the swim. First, I've asked, you know, my some friends and, uh, you know, from around the world and, you know, throughout the years to write me letters of, of experiences that they can remember with me. And I will read those letters on the plane on the way over. And then when I'm getting my feet um, on the feet bottle, I'll have the name of that person attached to the bottle, and that'll give me something to, something to think about, you know, from feet to feet. The other thing, I'm, I'm spending a lot of time right now putting music into my head. Uh, so that you, I'll have some... I imagine you can't take your iPod with you. No, you can't, but, um, you know, I get home from work in the evenings, and I spend a lot of time listening to things like ABBA and, uh, you know, other other music like that and, um, you know, some of my favourite music and I'll put those in my head for motivation. 
Vlad, let's go to you now. You've been training Marty for a couple of years and you train quite a few swimmers and I think you had some swimmers in the last couple of days that have actually just done the crossing. What sort of preparation goes into preparing for a swim like this? Ah, preparation for this swim. Uh, look, uh, definitely uh, the guys had to understand what's going on in a in English channel. It means they have to uh, consider how far is the channel we're counting between 35 and 55 kilometers because when some tide coming up, the mileage is uh, much uh, longer and longer. Right. It means we have to cover weekly around the 45, 50 k's. Uh, another thing is what we have to work on with uh, intensity and and actually another swimming skills, which is uh, definitely to help them. Uh, finish uh, finish the channel without any problems, which is we are covering a lot of anaerobic threshold set in, a, in one week and definitely long, long swim in the cold water. Cold water is not only just longer swim and physically performance, but more mentally preparation and be strong in the cold water and stuff like that. So what can be done physically to prepare yourself for, for cold water? Do you get to wear like a really thick wetsuit or...? Look, everyone no. coming to my session and they asked me, oh, they told me that, okay, I'm going to English Channel. Okay, first thing, so what they have to do, they have to forget about hot shower. Hot shower, <laughs> forget. Now anymore. Let's go cold shower. Doesn't matter what you're doing. Let's cold shower every, every time. And well, that, that, that's the mark thing. of an athlete, a cold shower, isn't it? That's, <laughs> yeah. that's serious. Yeah. Second thing, you have to laugh cold. And third thing, what you have to do, you have to believe that everything what you're doing, it's it's get you to their friends. It means just believe, believe, action, and just keep going and just uh, never lose the plot, you know? Just keep going, keep going. Marty, tell us, what about, uh, are there sharks in the channel? Are there concerns around safety, the exposure to the elements? What sort of protections are in place to make sure that you, you get across there in one piece? Yeah, there is a boat that, that goes with you. Those boats are certified by the channel swimming associations that govern, govern and monitor the swims. So, you do have that with you at all times. The crew on the boat will be looking for things like hypothermia and other, you know, other problems, whether or not you're injured. Um, you know, they're there to feed you, make sure you're nourished, uh, and to keep you going. So in terms of the things that I'll, I'll run into in the channel, I don't expect any sharks. There may be some jellyfish and a few tankers, uh, maybe some seaweed I've heard from others that have done it, uh, but um, no sharks. Marty, let's talk a little bit now about the squad that you're swimming with uh, with there in Sydney at the um, Boy Charlton Pool, I think, with Vlad. You mentioned when we spoke earlier that um, Vlad's done a really great job in terms of creating an environment where everyone feels comfortable to participate, gay, straight, whatever. Um, how important has that been in terms of your preparation for this swim? It's, it's been really, really, really important. Um, you know, the first thing when I thought, thought about this and all, all the swimming I've been doing, I was actually down in, swimming at Andrew Boy Charlton in the mornings because I'm a morning swimmer on my own and you know i noticed that vlad swim was vlad squad was there and eventually vlad and i got to talk and i went over and joined and he's just created the most uh most uh accepting tolerant uh environment that that there is you know for an athlete like myself and it's really important that you know you've got a lot of swimmers there in the lanes with you you know we all get along we're able to joke with each other uh you know it's, it's quite a good time in the morning it, it's both both a physical workout and, and a social thing that, that uh, keeps every, keeps me happy and keeps everyone else happy as well. 
Sensational. So you're heading over there very soon. You've got a window where you can do the swim. So you've got to get over there sort of a few days before and allow a few days after because um, you're not uh, guaranteed to swim off when, um, when you've booked. Is that how it works? Yeah, so um, I'm flying on uh, the 19th of August. My swim window is from the 27th of August to the 4th of September. So I'll have some time there to uh, get over jet lag and to swim in the water and the conditions, you know, in the Dover area. Um, And, you know, to do some more acclimatization work. You know, Vlad talked about the cold water acclimatization that – that we all have to do as we prepare for the swim. You know, it's not only time in the cold water. The other thing that I've had to do is kind of leave my six-pack in the refrigerator because I've had to <laughs> really up up the percentage of body fat, uh, you know, to, to put some insulation on myself. And I did work with a dietitian on that. So, uh, you know, between between the time in the water and the, uh, you know, the extra uh, insulation, and, and all the training I've, I've done, you know, I feel ready. I've got plenty of insulation to go around <laughs> if, if you need any extra. That's fine. Well, let's let's hope that uh, when you land on the shores there of, uh, of France after you swim, there's a pub there where you can get a nice chicken parmigiana and a pot of beer and celebrate. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I look forward to a big celebration. Marty, thanks so much for joining us. Vlad, for you too. Um, all the best with the swim. We'll definitely catch up with you again when you get back and see how it all went. Um, what an incredible experience it'll be for you and all the best. Oh, thank Thank you very much. much. Thank you. Thanks, gents. You're on Joy at 94.9. 12 minutes to wait. Back soon with AFL Footy News with you, Smithy. Can't wait. The Locker Room. Come in and get changed. Sports news, views and interviews for our community. Joy 94.9. 11 minutes to 8 on Joy 94.9. You're inside the locker room. Ben Lankin with you, joined in the studio by Michael Smith. Adam Samuel is with us as well. Uh, a message through on the text machine, 0427 Joy 949. You can email on air at joy.org.au. Sammy from Fitzroy sent a message wishing uh, Marty all the best with his English Channel swim and asked how we can uh, keep um, a track of his swim. Um, you can follow him on Twitter. And if you uh, go to the uh, locker room website uh, there on joy.org.au forward slash the locker room, follow us on Twitter and you can see Marty on there and you'll be able to follow his experience um, as he heads to the uh, to the swim and then throughout as well so good on him yeah and I like the idea of putting some songs in your head so if you can't have the iPod at least you've got like the mental soundtrack problem is I'm an awful singer so I don't know whether it'd be it'd be torture well it's someone else singing it's not you I guess you just imagine somebody else that's right you. yeah now uh, we want to quickly talk before we get to AFL about uh, the Wallabies a lot of news out of the Australian Rugby Union this week uh, obviously a bollocking um, on Saturday night against the uh, the Lions and not um, a great way to finish the uh, the tour um, and it did herald the end of Robbie Dean's tenure as, uh, as Wallabies coach yeah look I think I think that was coming um, and in fact um, you and Mackenzie had sort of made a bit of an ultimatum earlier in the year when he said this was the last year he was going to coach the Queensland Reds he wasn't going to put up with coaching a provincial side anymore he believed he should be coaching a national team and I think I think he's called the AAU's bluff, and they've well look. It, it didn't end well for the Wallabies. So I, I think it was inevitable. Ewan McKenzie, of course, took the uh, Queensland Reds to a uh, Super Rugby um, Premiership or Championship in 2011, um, and uh, has been uh, assistant coach for the Wallabies before, and of course played as a Wallaby as well. So um, definitely someone who has uh, a huge amount of experience, and uh, great to have an Australian back at the helm as well. Yeah, and South, uh, the South South African Jake King, the coach of the current coach of the Brumbies, is you know, arguably a more successful one, coach yeah. at the moment. Jake White, rather, uh, he was um, the other front runner for the job, but it was sort of thought that they wanted to have an Australian in the role. Yeah, I think there um, would have been a bit of an uproar. Of, of Deans as a New Zealander, not working out. James O'Connor, my our mate, has been uh, in the media again this week. Uh, the uh, Melbourne Rebels here in uh, Melbourne have. Uh, 
told him they're not going to offer him an extension of his contract, so he's uh, going to be without a home for the Super Rugby season next year. Um, some are saying that uh, it was a very poor performance and they've criticised his performance um, at number 10 for the Wallabies throughout the Lions season. Uh, however, he did um, score that only try in that last game, um, so I guess he did redeem himself a little bit. But uh, new coach next season at the Rebels, no James O'Connor. Um, talk he might go back to the Western Force, Smitty. Well, it seems like they're the only side who want him, mm. um, which is a curious thing. You can play for the Wallabies at number 10, probably the hardest position on the field, and then none of the five provincial sides want you. His Wallabies teammate, Ben McCalman, came out today. He plays for the Western Force and said um, the uh, playing group will welcome James back to the force as long as he abides to, to their strict um, cultural values that have been instilled in the club since he's left. So, so no visits to Maccas at 4am? No, no. Staying out of the pubs and clubs, I think. And it might be good to get him away from uh, Kirtley Beale and Quade Cooper. Well, and his ex-teammate, well, soon to be ex-teammate at the Rebels, Scott Higginbotham, has uh, come out and said that it would be better for O'Connor to develop his skills and personality at a different club. But that's, <laughs> that's a pretty blunt way of saying that he didn't really like the bloke. He's never been one to mix his words, um, Scotty Higginbottom, as he yeah, uh, he's calls it as it is. And, and, and that's uh, the great thing about his leadership style as well at the Rebels. And I think it's, uh, he's, he's done a great job there towards the second half of this season. Better talk AFL now. I think so. A couple of minutes left. Let's talk quickly about Harry O'Brien. He's been all over the front page of all the major newspapers here in Victoria. Collingwood uh, um, is um, uh, all abuzz with this news that um, Harry O'Brien's come out and revealed that um, he's battling depression, anxiety and post-traumatic stress um, after witnessing a shooting um, or a murder back in 2011. He's saying that he was um, sexually assaulted. um, And all of this has come out, obviously, um, after he sort of behaved like a bit of a pork chop at training, I understand. Well, yeah, and that's the suggestion in the media throughout the week about a bit of a fallout with coach Nathan Buckley. Um, there's even been suggestions published by Fairfax Media that he was upset by Nathan Buckley applying a homophobic nickname to a teammate. Good on um, him for standing up. Yeah, it's good on him for standing up. If, if that's what happened, then, then good on him for standing up. But there was some, there was some writing by journalists um, on Monday in particular um, in the Herald Sun, uh, journalist Mark Robinson, who you know, said that Harry O'Brien should pull his head in and harden up. And some of that started to look a bit, a little bit Ill, ill-judged when O'Brien came out on Tuesday morning and said that he had been battling depression. And he's not the first AFL player to say that. We had um, a former Hawthorne and North Melbourne player, uh, Thompson, talk about mm. his battle with depression as well. And really, the, given the incidence of mental illness in society generally, it's not shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone that AFL players, especially with the pressure, pressure that they're under, are going to suffer from mental illness from time to time. And really, it takes everyone to deal with it sensitively. I mean, you don't tell people with a physical illness they should just toughen up and harden no. up. So I don't know why you think it's okay to say that to someone with a mental illness. Um, good thing, though, that um, people with such a profile are, are um, talking about it publicly and sending a message to kids that, you know what, you should talk about it and you should go out and get help. I think that's an important message as well. Yeah, look, absolutely. And, and O'Brien's always been an outspoken person in the AFL and, and not not by no stretch being inarticulate or being a dickhead. He, he, he's someone who actually stands for really great values in the game. And it, it's he is a great role model, I think, for a lot of people. And look... I, I think he'll he'll get through it. I think he's got the support of his club, and that they have to support him really, and they should. And I I I would expect to see him back out in the field. Let's talk about what's happening on the field now. Now uh, North thumped Richmond by sixty two points on the weekend. Woohoo! So North Melbourne big win, a big win, and really left a lot of pundits scratching their head, going, "Where has this North Melbourne been?" Because Richmond have been very solid all year, mm. but they never got a look in against North Melbourne, um, and you know. North Melbourne, as we know, um, lost games by four points, three points, two points and a point this year against very solid teams and really should be in the eight. Probably their their big hope, or our big hope, I should say, being a North man, of making the top eight is um, 
is the fact that Essendon still might lose their premiership points this year. So if you can finish ninth, you might get the biggest booby prize this year and be bumped into eighth spot if Essendon's uh, drug investigation by Asada doesn't turn out well for them. Now That's what I'm hoping anyway. The Kennett curse. Um, the Cats beat Hawthorne again, continuing the Kennett curse. Now it's 11 games. 11 games. This is an incredible story, isn't it? It is, it is an incredible story since Kennett went on, on television after the game, the 2008 grand final, and said that you know, Hawthorne were sort of mentally superior to Geelong. Geelong famously made a promise to themselves they would never lose to Geelong again. And look, Hawthorne have only lost two games this year and they've lost them both to Geelong. So it would set up an amazingly interesting grand final if both sides finish one and two, sail their way through to the grand final, as many would expect. I mean, they're clearly the best two sides in the competition right now. I mean, that would be that would be a, a, a salivating grand final. It would be fantastic. Finally, uh, a nail-biting finish to the Eagles and Adelaide game as well. Josh Kennedy kicking a goal with 53 seconds left uh, to win by six points. Yeah, and look, again, we're talking about goal umpiring decisions um, and the video replaying system. The Crows are now saying they should be absolutely junked. Um, they don't actually believe in the system at all. There were three decisions that they think didn't go their way. A goal that was overturned, a, a ball they said was touched that you know that wasn't picked up no, on the video. They're always going to complain. Well, I know that that's Adelaide for you. I yeah. think you know, people from Adelaide like to complain, but what they're saying now is we should have two goal umpires at each end rather than a video oh, replay. God, it's getting out of control. I know two goal umpires. Yeah, so at each end, so there'd be four goal, goal umpires in the game. Ron Barassi's been a big one for that. He's banged on about that for decades, literally. Now, so we don't have four people dancing around, three people on the sidelines, two people at the other end, and now a video referee. Oh, why, 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 don't, why don't we players. just? Uh, why don't we just have like one of those tennis, you know, where everyone starts clapping? and they show the eagle eye of the ball. But so we've got to wrap it up, fellas. This weekend, Rebels versus Highlanders, Friday night in the Rugby Union at Amy Park. A couple of big games in the AFL, Fremantle versus West Coast, Sunday afternoon, Patterson Stadium in Perth. Port Adelaide versus Hawthorne, Amy Stadium in Adelaide over the weekend, another cracking match. Collingwood versus Adelaide Crows here at the MCG on Friday will be an interesting match also. Of course, you can catch the Ashes on Channel 9 over the next few days as well if you want to stay up to the wee hours of the morning. Highlight packages throughout the day. Thank you to Michelle Newton from Basketball Victoria for joining us earlier this evening to talk about the Fair Go in Sport program. And congratulations to Basketball Victoria for coming out in support of that campaign. Good luck to Marty Filipowski heading over to swim the English Channel, 35 kilometres, up to 15 yeah. hours swimming. Fantastic Incredible. stuff. I'm thinking of those ABBA songs still. <laughs> Big thanks to Timmy Ford for joining us, bringing us up to date on all the latest from the Tour de France. Smithy, thank you again. Adam, for pushing the buttons. Podcasts will be available online. Joy.org.au forward slash the locker rooms. Next week, Melbourne Argonauts, Melbourne's Queer Rowing Club, plus all the best bits from sport news from around the globe. See you next week. It's the Locker Room. Joy, 94.9. Do you want to hold your own in a sports conversation? Get a better pub quiz score or just like the sound of two boys talking about ball sports? Then join Ben and Rolly in the Locker Room on Joy, 94.9. Thanks for listening to a Joycast from Joy, 94.9. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.